Welcome to the Italian Wine Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Vinitali International Wine and Spirits Exhibition. The 54th edition of Vinitali was held from 10 to the 13th of April. If you missed it, don't worry. Go to vinitaliplus.com for on-demand recordings of all the sessions from the exhibition. And remember to save the date. The next edition of Vinitali will be held from the 2nd to the 5th of April 2023. Welcome to this special Italian wine podcast broadcast. This episode is a recording off Clubhouse, the popular drop-in audio chat. This Clubhouse session was taken from the Wine Business Club and Italian Wine Club. Listen in as wine lovers and experts alike engage in some great conversation on a range of topics in wine. If you enjoy listening, please consider donating through italianwinepodcast.com. Any amount helps cover equipment, production, and publication costs. And remember to subscribe and rate our show wherever you tune in. Stevie Kim. This is the Italian Wine Club on Clubhouse. And like, I'm going to kill you because I thought we were supposed to have a break for Vinitaly, but in fact, we only had one week break because you put this on Friday. So sorry about that. You know, we usually do it on Thursday. So we said, let's take a break for Vinitaly because everyone's been working really really hard and then i just saw that you know we have to do the clubhouse today but i'm i'm glad that you were able to organize this so let me just welcome everybody um i i don't even know this is a little bit earlier than we usually do so let's do this this like a what what number episode is this is this Actually, this is the 37th episode of the Ambassador's Corner. Wow. So that means th- for 37 weeks consecutively, we have been hosting the Ambassador's Corner, which is basically we ask one of our ambassadors to invite their favorite wine producer, and they do this kind of like a fireside chat, deep dive into this winery with the winemaker or producer or wine um, personality of that company. So today we have Justin with us from Hong Kong. Justin, Justin Chan. He's of course our Italian wine ambassador from Hong Kong. When did you do the course? I can't remember. You mean the uh, the, the ah VIA yeah it's course, it's yeah. the via it's in the Hong Kong version I think it's in the November of 2019. Right, you did the the 2019. So actually, that was the last year, the very last year before the pandemic. Yes, yes, I'm oh quite lucky God. actually. And I haven't seen you since actually. Yeah, because we uh, travel stopped. Uh, we don't have the chance to actually see each other since then. So Justin, what what is going on now in Hong Kong? What is what is the? Are you, you guys are not locked down, right? Or we are not locked down, down, but we have social distance rules. Mm-hmm. So our, all of our course so far uh, has been uh, online. Uh, so I hosted a, I still hosted a class and also various different tasting sh- workshops. So we managed to send samples to the participants. But, so, uh, you're ba- so you're yeah. back to virtual tasting again? Yeah, we uh, because of the fifth wave, it's quite... Oh, yeah, but uh, we are 
we are improving now. So actually, seeing, uh, starting from the 21st of April, the social distance rule will be relaxed. So we will actually, hopefully, we will uh, resume the face-to-face -face class in May, I think. Oh, it's so crazy. You know, I see, um, of course, Kevin, Cheetah, Slavic. We've seen our in the audience, and we just saw them because they were here for Five Star Wines and Vinitli. We've just just concluded Vinitli uh, the day before yesterday. It seems like ages ago. So we ran, of course, Five Star Wines, and then we did Vinitli International Academy, and then we did Opera Wine, and four days of Vinitli. So it's literally been a Vinitli marathon. And we have just concluded, and I was crossing my fingers every day just so that, you know, the COVID was under control. So, but yeah, it's so difficult. It's so crazy, the fifth wave. And definitely we are, the COVID uh, pandemic is not over yet. Anyways, let's go back to the show. Justin is, of course, a wine educator, and he works with, I believe, Deborah Myberg. MWM Wine School. Is that Deborah's school? Yes, yes. Okay. So you work with Deborah in Hong Kong. And of course, you are also our educator. You're running our Italian Wine Maestro program there. You are a diploma, WSET, and also a certified educator for them. And you, have, you are the Wine Scholar, Gill Italian Wine Scholar, and you're just one smart fellow. I think you are the best in our class from our graduating class, if I don't recall. So, and you <laughs> are very keen about Italian wine as well. So, Justin, you have today with us Francesco uh, from uh, Poliziano. Yeah. Why did you choose Francesco as your, Francesco Carletti as your favorite producer to be interviewed today? So, actually, um First of all, is the that I've been a long uh, wine lover of their wine, uh, particularly their flagship wine, the Asinone. Uh, actually, is one of my favorite uh, uh, Vino Nobili di Montepulciano, and uh, so I drink. I have been drinking their wine for quite a long time. Uh, but uh, actually, uh, I think the chance is that uh, uh, later on I got to know um, their importer in Hong Kong, which was Cheta and uh, run by Katie Massey. So I think Katie uh, uh, introduced me to uh, Francesco, and uh, I hosted several like uh, masterclass and uh, tasting workshops uh, uh, with Poliziano. So I think I get more and more uh, get to know this winery and appreciate their efforts to actually in the reviving of the, the, the fame of uh, Vino Nobili. And uh, I even wrote, wrote an article in the local wine magazine about their winery. So that's the reason why I choose their winery for today's interview. Excellent. Is Katy still in um, Hong Kong? Yes, yes. Oh, so she's still living in Hong Kong? Yeah, because I, 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 I think that uh, she said to me that uh, probably she will uh, join today's interview as well. But so far, I haven't seen her. Yeah. You know, I mean, everyone is, I it almost feel like everyone is fleeing Hong Kong. Of course, JC has moved to Verona. Mm -hmm. um, Sarah, who taught the course here uh, last week, she has moved to Seattle in America. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Francesca, of course, Italian wine um, expert. He did the course with you, right? No. Yeah. 
Yeah. He did, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And he uh, was living in Italy for just a brief period. In fact, he also translated Professor Attilio Scienza last June for the mm-hmm. VF flagship edition. And mm-hmm. then he's now living in Argentina. Oh, really? So, oh. yeah. So he couldn't come um, and join us this year. But I feel like everyone is just, you know, fleeing Hong Kong at the moment. Let's hope that, you know, we are very, very, uh, we have a very close relationship with Hong Kong because we've been doing going to Hong Kong and have invested so much of our resources and energy and created a community of VIA in Hong Kong. So we hope we can come back, go back very soon and to see you and our VIA community members. So Justin, um, as you know, we look Mm -hmm. for some learning objectives that we would like to anticipate to our audience. By the way, as everybody knows, this um, recording will be replayed on Italian Mind podcast, and I have to s- tell you that it is one of our most popular series. In the beginning, I was a little bit hesitant because we used to record for about 15 minutes for our podcast, and then I said, like, who the hell is going to listen to an hour um, talking, chatting about, you know, wine? But it turns out that everyone is very much interested in the deep dive version. So very, very popular indeed. So tell us about the learning objectives. Yeah, uh, actually, I think uh, basically I uh, would like to uh, introduce you guys to this great winery to understand their history and mm-hmm. the latest development. And also, I would like to talk a little bit in depth about their uh, two top uh, wine. Uh, single vineyard wine with a completely different terroir, which actually give it a chance to understand the, the diversity uh, of the terroir in Vino Nobili, so that they can make into a two single vineyard wine with Sangiovese, uh, but completely different characteristics. And, uh, and finally, I would like to actually talk also a little bit about this project, uh, the Alliance uh, Vinan, uh, which is actually the project uh, um, uh, Poliziano is one of the members, and to actually try, uh, try their efforts to actually really to uh, achieve the renaissance of Vino Nobili. So I think uh, these are the basic, I think, uh, learning uh, points that uh, I would like to achieve for today. Okay, great. So over to you, Justin. I'll come back towards the end to, and close up the room. And if there are any questions, we'll take a few questions, etc. Okay? So on those rare occasions, I will shut up now, believe it or not, and let you take over. Okay, Ciao. thank you, Stevie. And then uh, let's welcome uh, Francesco Caletti. And Ciao, Francesco. Buongiorno, Justin. Ciao to everybody. Yeah, ciao, Francesco. Uh, Buonasera. And... Uh, so I think uh, probably my first question is about uh, uh, your background. And uh, actually, I understand that you studied engineering in the university. So actually, I think the audience and also myself will, will be a little bit curious about uh, uh, why you choose to actually um, uh, still work with your dad for the wineries matter. So what's your original plan? And uh, uh, since when you started really uh, seriously involved in your winery matter? So I, um, when I was around uh, 15, 15 years old, actually even earlier, 13, 14, 
um, you know, winery-wise, um, my my father and, uh, and and all the people who work in the winery have always told me that uh, what is truly essential for for our business is to speak English. So so I've always been forced, uh, let's say, to uh, to learn it uh, through private lessons, uh, summer camps, and and things like this. And ever since I was around 10, 11. And, uh, but I do remember that one summer uh, I was in a room with five uh, people, five guys of around the same age as me who were all from London. And throughout those three weeks, I literally did not understand uh, much about what they were talking about. So, so I said to myself, I really need to learn it. And, if, uh, and in order to do that, I am... I'm willing to uh, leave my hometown, Montepulciano, and move abroad. And uh, for various reasons, I, I, I decided to choose and move to Scotland. Great. Uh, where I lived for, yeah, where, where I lived for around six years. Uh, for ver- I'm not going to go into too much details. Uh, there's no any, there's nothing uh, wine related over there. And, uh, and my plans, due to the fact that I had uh, several friends from there. I sort of, you know, found my my position in there. Uh, mm-hmm. I decided to remain in Scotland, and uh, you know, since I was very good at physics and math and mathematics, I decided to do engineering. But mm-hmm. uh, as soon as I finished, uh, I wasn't really. I, I did enjoy the course, but not as much as I I, I expected. Um, so when I returned home. In 2019, I was uh, my plan was just to you know spend the summer over there, and start planning my future. And you know, um, my father sort of um, sort of said, "Why why don't you follow me? Uh, come to the vineyards, uh, follow the harvest, and you know, day after day, week after week, month after month." I just convinced myself that uh, my my place was to be in the winery. So. So I've, let's say I've officially joined the winery somewhere around the end of 2019, early mm-hmm. 2020. Okay. Uh, yeah. And I became actually the, uh, that's sort of funny. Um, I became the uh, expert manager for the winery first February 2020. So <laughs> right before COVID uh, started. Okay. So um, so how about your expo business? Uh, uh, is the business actually affected by the COVID? Of course, uh, it should be. Um, but uh, I think the things are getting better right now. So probably you will become more and more busy. Uh, yeah, actually, the well, the the very um, uh, challenging uh, year was 2020, uh, mm-hmm. especially for not really the um, the. Um, uh, for spe- specifically for the Italian market, uh, that was uh, we, we had a lot of challenge uh, in, the, in those in that market specifically. Uh, but uh, 2021 has been a really successful year. We we sort of uh, re- returned back to our usual uh, sales uh, standards. So so no, we, we everything is doing better now. Obviously, uh, as you probably as probably everybody knows, we we have all. Uh, various new challenges to to face, uh, and you know, we we started thinking about transitioning a little bit more towards uh, digital forms of uh, communications, of sales, and mm-hmm. uh, and other things. But 
so far the the, the you know everything is is doing well uh, i'm only missing and really looking forward to to start traveling again which is you know uh, <laughs> that's that's what yeah. i was signing for uh, right at the beginning and uh, and i haven't had the chance to to do such uh, especially cuz i'm majorly focusing myself on markets which are outside of europe so uh, pretty challenging to to reach there uh, in the last two years okay fantastic we are also really uh, look forward to seeing you in hong kong uh, once you got a chance to travel to here so uh my second question is about a little bit about your history and the latest development because uh, we all know that poliziano is one of the leading wineries in uh, montepulciano and uh, actually, this is the winery that really um, uh, is one of the pioneers to start the modernization of the viticulture and, uh, and the winemaking for Vino Nobili. So could you give us a little bit about the, the background and also your latest development? Uh, so the, um, the winery was founded in, uh, in 1961 by my, my grandfather, uh, he, uh, my, my grandfather specifically wasn't a really, um, it, it, it wasn't a person who was involved in uh, agriculture in general, because at the time when he elevated the estate, uh, the estate wasn't um, majorly focusing on, on grape production and therefore wine. Um, so so my, my, my grandfather started uh, to, to reorient the winery, or rather the estate, towards um, uh, you know, vines, cultivations, and uh, and producing wine. Mm -hmm. But as you uh, as, as you said, uh, everything started off sort of uh, later on when when my father really started. Um, my father uh, graduated in agriculture engineering, uh, so he he was really uh, he knew a lot more things than my grandfather on uh, on, on cultivating in general, and. Um, and, you know, everything from 1980, practically, because my father graduated in 1978. Uh, he did mm -hmm. some working experience around uh, Italy, mm -hmm. in Verona specifically, and, uh, and also in Montalcino. Mm -hmm. And uh, in 1980, he decided to fully took over the business, um, for which my, my, my grandfather was sort of quite happy about it. And, uh, and uh, ever since he started. Um, he made uh, the first bottles. Actually, not the first bottles of Vino Nobile. The one, those ones were made by by my, my grandfather. Uh, but he changed the labels, uh, and he was the one who uh, started the Asinor, which, uh, by the way, is uh, one of the first uh, single vineyards, not only in Montepulciano but also in in Tuscany. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Ever since then, he obviously, as you were saying, uh, we started with uh, mo modernizing the uh, the approach of cultivation, uh, so sort of changing what it was the tradition of the time. Uh, he uh, he was greatly influenced by international approaches, uh, especially in terms of aging, and uh, and we kept on building the, the company. Initially, we had only around 20, 22 hectares. Whereas now we have about 130, 140 hectares in the uh, Montepulciano area. Uh, we also have uh, three other, two, two and a half other estates. Uh, one of them, which is the the, uh, the last in terms of time, uh, which was acquired in 2017, is uh, you know sort of in the middle between 
the territory of Montepulciano and the, the close uh, Torrita area mm-hmm. or Montefollonico and and with with more um, details mm-hmm. and then we also have another around 25 20 20 25 actors in the, the Maremma in Maremma mm-hmm. um, and another seven actors in Cortona which is just up north uh, Montepulciano yeah yeah fantastic so uh so basically, uh, let the audience to get familiar with your uh, uh, your different generations. So I think your grandfather is Dino, right? And uh, your father yes, is yes. Federico, right? So yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, I think uh, I think probably Federico uh, uh, is the the figure that uh, has been uh, a widely reported uh, about for your winery. I think Poziano. I think he because he is really the pioneer in terms of modernization. So he <laughs> is the guy that uh, trying to uh, uh, produce the wine at a low yield and also involve a modern uh, equipment and also the French exactly. uh, uh, barrique agent for the wines. So really, mm-hmm. really actually made mo- modernize the, the style of uh, of uh, the Vino Nobili that you are put, produce, uh, you have uh, you was uh, you were producing. But uh, actually nowadays I have learned from you previously. Actually, there's a, a, a gradually as a, as a kind of like a style uh, switching back to a, a little bit more like traditional style. Could you elaborate a little bit on this process? Uh, yes, um, what, what you said is absolutely right. Uh, but um, I would like also to make a point. Um, although my grandfather was what um, was not a winemaker uh, and um, he uh, nonetheless he was the one who started everything you know mm-hmm. so uh, as an example uh, other than renovating the f- initial 22 actors uh, and building the first the really first stage in cellar he was also the one who renovated the the Asinona vineyard uh, so so uh, you know and he did it in a, in not a um, he didn't have any economical uh, idea, you know, it was it was truly just for um, for passion, uh, very romantic idea. Because uh, mm-hmm. my, my grandfather was working in the in the construction business in in Italy, and um, he was forced since he was working in a very big company, uh, which wasn't set locally. Uh, he he was forced to to move around Italy. Uh, as an example, my father lived uh, for seven years in Sardinia, mm-hmm. and and. The, the decision to renovate the estate uh, was also to sort of sentimentally move back to his hometown. And, uh, and, and, and I think this is, uh, you know, it, it is very important in, in light of what my father eventually did. Uh, coming to my father, yes, uh, you know, he was very, um, uh, in the 80s, I think wine producers were not as many as there are today, uh, especially in, in Tuscany. So uh, very in, in a very short period of time, he managed to get to know uh, many of them and, and started sharing thoughts. And, uh, and, and you know, th- that was the decade when, or even the decade before uh, the 70s, when, you know, old uh, new approaches, new modern approaches were, were starting to be developed. And my father has, uh, he, his primarily goal was to um, stop making uh, carboy wine. And, and start bottling, start making 
wine which was growing in the quality and mm -hmm. rather than the quantity so mm -hmm. uh, so he, he he basically started experimenting uh, he started experimenting he sooner or later realized that he required a certain certain level of uh, technical more modern uh, equipment and so he built a winery he built a cellar he renovated the aging cellar so so he has experimented a lot um, Around the end of the 90s, early 2000s, uh, year after year, he started realizing that, uh, and, and nowadays it's very clear to everybody, but um, uh, the weather, you know, the temperature started rising. Mm -hmm. and, um, and, and with the type of density, the type of uh, uh, vineyard treatments uh, that we, he has been carrying from the 80s until the early 2000s, uh, he realized that the vineyards were suffering. Um, mm -hmm. Climate change was was playing a huge role, and and that's why ever since the early 2000s he uh, changed the focus. So he started uh, focusing more, first of all, in uh, a little bit higher elevated places. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we we stopped acquiring or planting in very low altitude uh, the places of the Montepulciano territory, and he started going a little bit higher up. Uh, and as well, he started, uh, you know, adjusting the density. Uh, he moved from 5,800, 6,000 plants per hectare, more back to the 5,000, 5,200. Uh, then he raised the, um, the, 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 the height of the, of the plants. And then obviously uh, a, huge, um, a huge study, internal study of the best clones of Sangiovese, the best rootstocks, which were adapting in the and in, uh, in, in the various territories, the various terroir that we that we have, because um, our estate is not uh, placed in only one specific position of Montepulciano, but it's displaced all across the um, the, the town, the, the territory. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Great. Um, so I think, uh, yeah, I think we will also talk a little bit about the style uh, switching when we yeah. uh, discuss your two uh, single vineyard wines. I think. Uh, mm -hmm. Uh, talking about your wine, I would like to first discuss about your basic Vino Nobili di Montepulciano. I think this yes, one sir. is, uh, for me, is a really, really uh, a lovely wine and very consistent wine and also with uh, uh, excellent value. Uh, so this is a wine actually produced in a fairly large uh, uh, quantity, but uh, yeah. year in, year out, you can still maintain a very good quality and consistency. Could you share us a little bit about uh, uh, the basic style of your Vino Nobili di Montepulciano that you, uh, as, a, as, a, as a producer, that you want to achieve, and also the efforts that you have been, that have been done uh, in the vineyard and also in the cellar that you, you guys uh, are trying to keep the consistency and the quality of this basic uh, Vino Nobili? Well, um... The, the the yeah first of all yeah you you did mention something uh, re relatively important uh, about the the numbers of bottles that we make of this wine uh, on average we make about 150 180 thousand bottles of uh, our regular vino nobile mm -hmm. um, well I would say its style uh, you know Sangiovese is really is greatly influenced and maybe we will uh, talk it. Talk talk about it in with greater details when we touch the the, the cruise, mm -hmm. but Sangiovese um, as a variety we we call it is a phenotypic variety. So it's greatly and hugely 
uh, impacted by the the terroir, the microclimate, the soils uh, where where it is grown, and um, and and so so this brings me to uh, the type of terroir that we have in in Montepulciano. Uh, mm-hmm. Montepulciano is situated a little bit up north than Montalcino, mm-hmm. and uh, and and relatively souther than than the Chianti Classico area. So we're sort of right in the middle. Um, the type of weather that we have is quite continental. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and the characteristics of our soils is, although we have uh, some, in some cases we have uh, some more, um, some more uh, sandy soils, the, the tendency is to find, uh, is to always find clay, clay soils. And, and clay soils usually produce uh, very, um, usually sort of um, highlights the, the tannic side of, of Sangiovese. So, so style-wise, I would say that our Vino Nobile, uh, which is at the end of the day a blend of the various parcels that we have all across the, the Montepulciano territory, um, is, a, is quite of a powerful, uh, medium to full structured type of wine. Mm-hmm. And and it's sort of has always been like this, uh, for ever, ever since my father started producing it. Um, over the years, uh, as I was mentioning earlier, we have started to go a little bit higher in in elevation, and we have also acquired, uh, especially towards the Valiano area, mm-hmm. uh, which is a like a like a like a fraction of yeah. um, of Montepulciano territory. Um, some a lot of a lot of um, vineyards, a lot of soils, which have a strong base of sand, mm-hmm. which inevitably has uh, has allowed us to make some more uh, lightweight, more acidity-based type of uh, Sangiovese, which are uh, pretty much every year in the last, uh, say, five to six years, uh, been blended in the in the mm-hmm. in the Vino Nobile, in the regular Vino Nobile. Mm-hmm. So I would say that. Um, Although the the primarily structure, um, so this medium to almost full-bodied, depending on the vintage, uh, Vino Nobile, is uh, slowly in the last 10, 15 years starting to be um, to, to grow in acidity, grow in freshness, and 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 we're starting to contain it a little bit more in uh, in, in 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 powerfulness. Um, in terms of uh, say, you know, t- uh, in terms of taste, uh, the wine is uh, there's no doubt about it. It's becoming more typical uh, every day, every year more. Um, as you know, in Montepulciano we have we're a little bit different than Montalcino. We have uh, a 70 percent minimum of Sangiovese. Mm-hmm. Uh, my father has always worked within the 70 to 80, 85 percent of Sangiovese, whereas the, the remaining was uh, was always Canaiola and Colorino, which are local varieties of uh, our territory. Mm-hmm. But I would we, we can also say Tuscany in general, and um, and a little bit of Merlot as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the last, uh, I would say two, three, four years, we have started to consistently grow the percentage of Sangiovese, and now we are almost reaching. 95% of Sangiovese, so it's around 92, uh, 90, 92%. The, the Nobile 2018, which is the one that we are currently have in the market, it's around uh, 92, and I think 2019 is even a little bit more, so nearly 95. Uh, so, so 
you know, uh, the wine is very typical. Um, it's it's uh, the, our approach is to to make it more balanced and more uh, and more a, a very in a wine which expresses itself in uh, in equilibrium between the tannic and the structure and the freshness and the and the fruitiness. Okay. So um, this wine, uh, so um, no, uh, the traditionally uh, speaking, that the uh, the wine always involve a little bit of merlot. So I would ask you that uh, you still believe that that recipe will actually. Uh, uh, you you would still keep that recipe to to involve a little bit Merlot in in the future uh, vintage for for this regular uh, Vino Nobile, or you will consider maybe eventually you you will actually uh, use uh, only the local grape varieties. I I, I think that uh, well th this is more of a, a question to me I would say um, I, I think uh, <laughs> uh, our our approach is to to um, to probably reach the 100% Sangiovese in in the in the close future. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, this also has a huge. I mean, as I was saying earlier, uh, Sangiovese is phenotypic, and 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 when you have a very favorable vintage, you as 2018 or 2019, we 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 managed to make a lot of really 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 good Sangiovese. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I believe that when these vintages occur, uh, we we will always try to push for the uh, 100%, the purity of Sangiovese. Okay. Uh, probably in a little bit more difficult vintages, uh, we we might be still be blending. And concerning the Merlot question, for sure, uh, in the next years we're gonna we're gonna erase that uh, that component as well. Okay. Okay. Good. So uh, I think because of the, the the weather and global warming, I think also because of your your um, I say choosing the right colognes of Sangiovese. I think your 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 winery now. I, I think it's uh, I got a feeling that you have become more more and more confidence in using uh, a higher percentage of Sangiovese or even a hundred percent Sangiovese for the regular uh, Vino Nobili. So I think, uh, yeah, this is the, um, uh, probably I will look forward to taste the more new vintages and uh, I think to get a, a, a more updated feeling about uh, uh, your regular Vino Nobili. And uh, in terms of the two um, uh, crews and the single vineyard wines, I think uh, Asinone is probably the most famous one and uh, mm -hmm. uh, this is the one that uh, actually um, uh, uh, used to be one of my favorite, and uh, and because of this wine that I I got to know uh, uh, Poliziano, uh, but uh, through our previous mass class and also tasting workshops, uh, I also got to know another uh, actually uh, very elegant vineyard, which is uh, uh, La Cagiole. So I think yeah. uh, uh, could you just uh, 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 introduce a little bit about these two these two vineyards and uh, the uh, terroir components and uh, the different style uh, of the resulting wines? Oh yeah, um, so um, but both of them are uh, as you said single vineyards. So they are both coming from uh, one specific uh, vineyard, mm -hmm. uh, and um, a, a funny aspect. I would say, or a curious aspect, more curious than funny, is that uh, both of the two vineyards have been 
planted in the 60s. So they uh, fully, to, to some extent, fully represent the, um, the traditional approach on, on planting. Um, but both of them are cultivated not in Kurdenspurn, which is the, which was the, let's say, the typical approach that we would had in the 80s and the 90s, uh, but it's Guyo. And, and the, ten, the, the density is a little bit higher than the real tradition. Uh, mm-hmm. We are in the 4,500 um, plants per hectare, but, uh, but obviously it's nothing compared to what it was in, in the 80s. Um, and, and actually another very uh, particular aspect, uh, specifically of the Asinone, um, mm-hmm. the Asinone is not... Uh, so it, it is, to some extent, representing the tradition, but it is also not because, um, you know, in, in Tuscany, we would always plant our vineyards in a, we, we, we call it rittochino. So so all the vines, all the rows are going from the top to the bottom, mm-hmm. straight. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas the Asinone, for its peculiar shape, um, its peculiar, uh, yeah, its peculiar shape, um, is actually planted from left to right, uh, mm-hmm. as they would most likely, uh, as they would do in in, in uh, the Barolo area, as an example. Okay. Okay. Um, and specifically about the the, the two wines, uh, the, the two wines are approached and they are uh, managed exactly in the same way in terms of uh, treatment throughout the years, um, but also in terms of selection of the berries and the grapes. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we initially make a first selection prior harvest. Um, then there is, um, and then once all the grapes are collected and brought down to the cellar, we undergo uh, a, another additional secondary uh, selection made by hand. So you know the the really traditional and, and popular uh, rolling table, where you have uh, several people at each side of the table and handpicking specifically uh, every single berry, you know, taking out the leaves and, and other things. Um, concerning the, the, the soil, uh, Asinone is a uh, almost 40 to 45 percent off uh, clay soil, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. whereas Le Cagione is uh, around um, four to five in some places even 7% of clay, but the vast majority is just sand. Uh, mm-hmm. I think the the richest point, it has around 72, 73% of sand. So two completely different soils. Uh, another curious aspect is that these two vineyards are only around 800 meters apart. Um, okay. So, so, you know, that, that sort of shows you the, 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 the differences that you can you can have in, in our territory, uh, not specifically of Poliziano, but of Montebucciano in general. Uh, but what we have discovered actually in a very recent period of time is that both of these two soils are coming, uh, are coming from one of the most ancient uh, geological area uh, of, uh, of, of locally, uh, which mm-hmm. is the Pliocene. So we're talking about yeah. five to six million years ago. Yeah. And, and, you know, these soils have been, they, they came out from, from the seaside, from the water, again, uh, several millions years, uh, of years ago. And this means that the soils are really poor. So, so they do not produce massive quantities of grapes, uh, but 
it, they produce a lot less, and therefore the vines are capable uh, to concentrate more uh, in, in those grapes. So low yield, and 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 you know due to the, this aspect and the aspects of uh, you know their soil composition, you have two different types of of grapes. The Asinone grape tend to be extremely small, with mm-hmm. very very thick skin, and therefore. Mm-hmm. You know, here you have a lot of tannins, uh, a lot yeah. of structure, a lot of color, and yeah. and my father has always worked uh, to in, in this in this idea. Uh, therefore, you know, uh, whenever I whenever I go around the, in the market, I I've I'm always been told that the Asinone is the perfect wine to have with uh, with a bisticca as an example. Yeah. So very yeah. very fat, uh, very um, powerful type of food. Yeah. Uh, whereas Licajone is almost the opposite yeah you tend to have relatively bigger berries with with a little bit thinner skin uh, mm-hmm. so the major differences in in the making of the two wines is is during the fermentation and maturation since you have greater skin in the acinone you tend to maturate it a little bit longer mm-hmm. we're talking about uh, three four maybe five days more mm-hmm. and um, and in terms of aging, the, the two wines uh, pretty much follow the same approach, um, with the only difference that um, the Asinone tends to go a little bit more in new oak uh, rather than Licajole, uh, simply because uh, Licajole needs to be more typical. Okay. Uh, we have stopped uh, ever since the, I would say, 10, 15 years ago to use primarily barriques. Uh, we're now introducing more larger uh, larger barrels. Uh, mm-hmm. We have a preference for our Sangiovese with the tonos. So those are the uh, types of barrels that we use for this two crews. Mm-hmm. And um, whereas for the Vino Nobile, uh, we, we actually mixed uh, the tonos with the big barrels and, and so on. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is the major difference between these two, Asinone and Licajole, which are, uh, by the way, I, I didn't mention 100% Sangiovese, both of them. Um, if you taste them, you you sooner or later realize that these are two completely different wines. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and this is truly uh, based on what I was just explaining earlier. Uh, it's the terroir, it's the, it's the soil, and it's alternatively what you get as a break. Uh, Asinone is a full structured, uh, very powerful, very uh, very large uh, to some extent wine, mm-hmm. whereas Lecajoli is completely the opposite, right the opposite. It's a very um, very light. Uh, you have a very medium to to lightweight type of structure, but you have this length, this great acidity, which which makes this wine um, you know extremely pleasant, extremely fresh. And, and very, very long and, and, and vertical. Um, and again, as I was saying, uh, both of them are 100% Sangiovese. The approach is pretty much identical, but here the territory, the soil is really making uh, a huge difference. And yeah. I always like to finish off by saying that the Lecajole is the feminine side of Montepulciano's Sangiovese, yeah. whereas Asinone is the masculine side of uh, Montepulciano Sangiovese. Yeah, these two wines actually, I think, is a fantastic examples that if you want to do a comparison, comparative tasting, and to show the 
diversity of the terroir in Vino Nobile, I think these two wines are, are the, are the perfect choices. So um, I, uh, I think uh, we, uh, in our previous uh, uh, tasting workshops, we compare these two wines side by side. It's really actually yep. show the show the difference, and I think that the participants are, are, are all um, were all actually amazed by the the the, the difference between the two wines. The Asinone is uh, a, a little bit muscular and powerful, and uh, the uh, Lecagioli is more feminine uh, and elegant, and showing more like Asinone showing more like a darker fruit, black fruits, and uh, the Lecagioli yep. showing more red fruit characters. And I also Absolutely. actually um, uh, know that uh, probably you can also uh, introduce a little bit about the. The the, the 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 names of the two wines actually there's a story behind oh, yeah. uh, the both names. I actually is quite interesting. Uh, well, the um, uh, the the Asinone is well Asinone in Italian for those who don't uh, don't speak Italian means big donkey, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. this is primarily due to the the shape of the uh, of the vineyard. Uh, if by any chances you might, you know, uh, find yourself in front of a Nacinone bottle, you just uh, turn the bottle, look at the back label, and you have a rough figuration of the vineyards. And it looks like the back of a donkey. Uh, and that's why it is called the big donkey. Uh, whereas Licajole is, um, it, the name is not specifically related to the, uh, to the vineyard, but it's mm -hmm. related to the area. In, in which uh, la, the, the vineyard is grown, uh, is situated. Uh, and I, if I do not go wrong, Licajole used to be a type of flower which was uh, incredibly present in, the, in, in that specific area. Okay. Uh, from my understanding, this type of flowers have, uh, you know, they're much more rare nowadays. Uh, probably the, 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 the climate has changed and therefore... Uh, they are not capable of uh, of appearing uh, that often as they used to. Okay, so uh, I think just one point technically about uh, probably I think the exposure of both vineyard also uh, has something to do with the different styles. And uh, the vineyard for Asinone is south and southwest, and uh, yep. the vineyard for uh, Lecagiole is uh, east, uh, facing the east. So I think. Uh, the probably the uh, the, the, the it's actually, exposure, yeah. It, it is actually facing Lecagioli is facing north. Oh no, the, the hill. Okay. The, the the hill is facing north. Yes, and mm -hmm. uh, and actually another thing, um, you know, the, on on a on a regular basis, you would think that uh, you know clay soil tends to be a little bit more arid, and that is actually the case. Uh, you don't have a lot of um, uh, high vegetation uh, around the Asinone. So that that is actually a really really warm uh, place, whereas Lecagione uh, also because of sand, but uh, but also because it has this uh, little uh, Mediterranean uh, forest uh, okay. at the back of the vineyard, mm -hmm. tends to be a little bit fresher. Um, okay. and, and funny enough, uh, this is something that um, my father and my sister have started realizing in in the last few years. That, that that area is also relatively warmer during the night. So when, when it should be colder, it's actually warmer. Mm -hmm. And during the day, it's actually a little bit uh, fresher than, 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 you know, similar positions of the same type of altitude. Uh, both are two vineyards. 
are in between the 400 to 500 meters level on the okay. on the on the seaside level. Okay. So uh, I understand that Le Cagiore, uh is the wine that uh, you produced for uh, for this uh, uh, Alliance uh, Venom project. So uh, yeah. so probably also take this opportunity that uh, for you to. Um, Introduce a little bit about this uh, project and the concept of uh, uh, Renaissance of Vino Nobili. Uh, yeah, uh, so let, uh, let, let me add this. Um, Le Cagioli actually used to be produced uh, around the uh, at the end of the 80s uh, mm -hmm. until the mid 90s. Uh, mm -hmm. But then my father, uh, he, if you ask him, he would uh, he would uh, almost scream at you saying. Uh, Ironically, uh, he he did the wrong choice to 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 stop the production of Le Cagiole. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we restarted again in 2015, uh, in 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 accordance with uh, with these other producers. Um, the Alliance Vinum is composed of um, at its foundation of six wineries uh, from Montepulciano, uh, Avignonesi, Salcheto, um, La Bracesca. Uh, Dei, Poliziano, and, and Boscarelli. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, the six wineries, which, and I'm not saying those are the only wineries, but uh, six wineries which uh, have been recognized in the market in the last uh, 10, 20 years, 30 years uh, to, to produce high quality wines. And uh, it's, it's a long story, but let's say that, um, you know, throughout the last 10, 15 years, uh, our Montepulciano has been, has had many problems in terms of communication. Um, the, the first thing which I, I believe everybody have thought about uh, at least once is the confusion between Montepulciano, the town placed in Tuscany and Montepulciano d'Abruzzo, the grape. Yeah. Um, so we, um, so all, over the, the, the last 10, 15 years, uh, our consortium and all the producers have started uh, thinking about solving this communication problem. Uh, but we never really came with a uh, solid conclusion. So the Alliance Venom, uh, so the six producers decided around 2017, if mm -hmm. I do not go wrong, to, um, you know, to gather, uh, to gather themselves and, and start like a like a more uh, inner uh, conversation between the the six of us, and uh, and and we agreed that the best way to tackle this type of problem is to uh, sort of rename uh, our wines, not Vino Nobile di Montepulciano, but rather just Vino Nobile. That was the time when when we wanted to shorter the uh, the name uh, because you know at the end of the day. Uh, it's Barolo, it's uh, Chianti, it's uh, Brunello, it's mm -hmm. uh, Morellino. So, you know, one mm -hmm. word, uh, very easy, uh, very easy to uh, pronunciate. You you cannot really uh, imagine how, how difficult for some people, and, you know, I, I truly understand them when they try to, to pronounce the, the full word, uh, the full sentence, Vino Nobile di Montepulciano, and that, yeah. you know, either in the States or in China or, or, or elsewhere. Uh, so, uh, obviously, you know, it, it wasn't only just a matter of changing the word, but it was also a matter of, um, you know, uh, thinking about uh, reconstructing the uh, the uh, the wine itself. 
because uh, you know our uh, the the Vino Nobile was uh, initially thought uh, in the 60s, end of 60s, then rebranded in the 80s. So that type of approach in terms of uh, blendings, in terms of uh, aging, in terms of um, you know period that it has to be in the bottle and and so on, was uh, relatively old for 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 the time. You know, 2017. So. Uh, they also gathered in order to think about uh, what, 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 what type of new wine uh, Montepulciano could have made after this uh, almost 60 plus years of, uh, of winemaking experience. Mm-hmm. And, we, uh, and we came to conclude that the best approach uh, is to have a 100% Sangiovese, mm-hmm. a crew coming from old vines, uh, which, uh, you know, has... Um, as a minimum aging of around uh, 12, but in most of the cases of the wineries is a little bit more in wood, uh, not the use of uh, new oak in particular and neither the barriques, but try to use a little bit larger barrels mm-hmm. and, and give the wine some more time in the bottle. In fact, uh, the Asinone tends to come up, come out in the market a little bit earlier. The Lecajole tends to stay a little bit more time in, in the in the bottle before it goes in the market. Um, what else is there to say? Uh, n- nothing much. Um, so, so I, this I can... is a still an ongoing project. So you will continue that that uh, concept and it's trying to uh, explore more on that. Um, well, the uh, you know in, in 2017 we gathered. And uh, we started thinking and proposing. I actually did not mention one thing. Um, my father was already uh, at that time, uh, since in, since 2006 and seven, he replanted a lot of vineyards, which uh, because we don't only have that one vineyard in Lica Jolero, but we have several more. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he started replanting them. And, uh, and in the process of replanting, he... He paid uh, much more attention to the wine, and you know the the, the major characteristics of uh, uh, Le So it's this uh, very f- this freshness, this great acidity, this uh, this um, you know almost uh, no existence of tannins. Uh, he he, re- he sort of rediscovered it. So Polisena was already uh, planning on on coming back out with uh, Le Cagione. But around, again, 2017, um, all these other producers uh, started talking, started thinking about, you know, gathering and, and discussing. So um, so eventually, later on in 2018, 19-slash, uh, they all came out with uh, with their crew 2015 vintage. But we, we were already planning on, on coming out, whether the alliance was existing or not. Eventually, this discussion uh, extended uh, towards uh, the entire denomination. Mm-hmm. I think uh, there was also another uh, similar association, uh, which uh, was founded around the same period of time. Um, and, and that allowed us, uh, actually, uh, Stevie knows about it because she, she was one of the, uh, she, she actually had a, um, uh, let's say, a master class where she, her and Attilio Shensa had uh, some really nice thoughts about 
how a new wine should be uh, communicated and made. Mm-hmm. So we with an internal discussing within the consortium, and uh, we are nowadays uh, planning. It is not yet sure which from which vintage, but we're going to be uh, coming out. All, all the, the entire denomination is going to be coming out with a new wine, uh, which is going to be called Lipievi. Um, Lipievi, it's going to be. It, it's basically a. Um, we, we basically have overviewed the uh, the denomination and outlined twelve very high uh, sort of. Um, uh, terroir-related uh, mm-hmm. micro areas within the denomination, and uh, and you know, curious enough, uh, one of these areas is going to be called Lecajole. Okay. Okay, fantastic. So, um, Pori, I really look forward to that. Uh, maybe we can have a chance in the future to taste these uh, these uh, twelve. Uh, really represent a different terroirs in uh, it's a uh, more like uh, is a is a kind of a concept of like uh, mga or uh, uh, yeah, yeah. 12 area right yeah absolutely absolutely okay, it is great. fantastic it, it is. fantastic because uh, the reason the development in county classical is also that they have uh, actually launched the the, the they, they, at least their consortium has already approved on the on the MG. It is, yeah. it is literally the the same thing. Uh, the the only difference is that uh, we um, we group the micro areas based on also uh, historical bounds uh, because Lipievi uh, are churches. Okay. Uh, yeah. You have a more like a unique names. <laughs> you yeah, have a yeah, more unique a, name. Belong to. Um, Montepulciano. I think that's a good idea because you have a, a slightly different name, a more reflect the local culture to refer to mm-hmm. your actually MGA concept. That, that, that's a fantastic, uh, uh, I think, idea. So I think uh, we still have a couple of minutes. I think I would like to um, give back to uh, Stevie and to see uh, and also uh, see whether uh, uh, there's any questions about uh, our session. So first of all, can you guys hear me? Yeah. Yep. Okay. First of all, you guys have been so thorough. Uh, let's give it up for Justin Chen and Francesco. Thank you. Francesco, <laughs> Thank you. I am so impressed. Um, first of all, you have a clearly a great command of not only English, but also your wine stuff. And I think we were enthralled, all of us, just listening to you. Uh, I, I don't recall meeting you, Francesco, but I would love to have a chat with you next time I see you. And congratulations. Francesco, did you come up to Vinitaly? I did. I actually did. You mean, uh, uh, how was, how was it? How was Vinitaly for you? Uh, well, uh, yeah, as, um, you know, you can tell around. me the truth. We're only going to, you know, only 5,000 other people will be listening to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, I lived abroad, so I, I was never, uh, I never had the chance to go there as, you know, simply as the, the son of. Right. Uh, so, so that was actually my that first. That was your first? You were initially virgin? Yes. Oh, my goodness. I, I loved it. I, I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, although m- most of my colleagues were saying that, um, you know, there were a lot less people uh, right. than, than the usual. But, but it, was, uh, it, was, it was really good. You know, I, I managed to, to get to taste some really, really good wines. And, uh, 
and and get to know some really really nice people and and obviously you know uh, after Vanitaly, that's where the the social starts and and I, I really enjoyed I that one. I saw you party in Bottega. Not, not, not as much, but uh, <laughs> no, I was in, uh, in the in the in the square. Uh, right, right, most right. Of the times, yeah. Okay, excellent. So listen, uh, this episode will air soon. Um, Joy. Uh, May the fifth. That seems to be the date I have on my calendar for this episode. Okay, so this will this recording will air on the fifth of May. But I want to, um, um, I have a small ask for everybody, and please spread the word. We got delisted on Spotify, and we had some issues, so please go back and follow us and listen to us on Spotify so we can rebuild um, bigger and better. But we have been getting a lot of, lot of listens, so thank you all for following us. It, as you know, it's a, it's a labor of love, so please send in those comments and spread the good word and gospel about Italian. Thank you very much, Justin and Francesco. See you, you very see. soon, here or there. Ciao ragazzi. Yeah, hope so. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Ciao, ciao, tutti. Ciao. Have a good day. Ciao. Ciao, ciao. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Italian Wine Podcast, brought to you by Vinitali International Wine and Spirits Exhibition, the biggest drinks trade fair in the world. Save the date, the next edition of Vina Italy will be held the 2nd through the 5th of April 2023. Remember to subscribe to Italian Wine Podcast and catch us on SoundCloud, Spotify, and wherever you get your pods. You can also find us at italianwinepodcast.com. Cin cin! guys, I'm Joy Livingston and I am the producer of the Italian Wine Podcast. Thank you for listening. We are the only wine podcast that has been doing a daily show since the pandemic began. This is a labor of love and we are committed to bringing you free content every day. Of course, this takes time and effort, not to mention the cost of equipment, production and editing. We would be grateful for your donations, suggestions, requests and ideas. For more information on how to get in touch, go to italianwinepodcast.com.